May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. The last time we came together as a community was Wednesday, Ash Wednesday, the beginning of our season of Lent. Many of us may have set an intention for our Lenten practice and be about four or five days in now. How's it going so far? How many of you woke up this morning craving a piece of chocolate or a pastry? (laughs) There's a hand over here. (laughs) Yesterday in my family, we spent the day listening to my husband negotiate with himself about the meaning of the word dessert, exactly which definition he was going to comply with. There is even a moment where, um, where we were asked whether donuts weren't really dessert because you eat them in the morning, not after dinner at nighttime. A couple of years ago, I myself set an intention for Lent, which was that I was going to fast from meat and fish for the season. Normally, I am a meat eater, so I anticipated that in not eating meat, each time I was faced with that choice, I would be prompted to remember the season. Instead, I found myself hungry all the time, and I gained five pounds. I guess that's what happened in my case when I replaced protein with pasta. You know, often we can come into the season of Lent with an expectation that we're supposed to deprive ourselves to challenge ourselves to suffer hardship. For me this year, I'm I'm feeling something different. There's a theologian in the Orthodox tradition in the the Eastern Church, um, Alexander Schmemann, who describes Lent as a season of bright sadness. And I think I'm with him this year. Instead of entering into Lent with a sense of deprivation, I have felt this brightness a certain lightness of spirit, a sense of moving toward freedom. And I know that's not our norm. There is a somberness to Lent, a posture of humility as we prepare to walk with Jesus to the cross, as we try to remove the distractions from our lives and focus on repentance, turning from the things that are inconsistent with our desire to deepen our relationship with God. Our tradition has been shaped by a wisdom over the centuries to point us towards Jesus' mission of honoring the dignity of every human, of building the reign of God and fighting for justice for all, particularly the marginalized and the forgotten. A mission that led inexorably to his death. In this season in particular, we remember that there is no salvation without going by the way of the cross. Behind this focus on the cross, though, the companion story of our faith is pressing itself into my attention this Lent. Surrounding the cross is this story. God is. God is always. God calls us back over and over and over no matter how far we fall short. Whenever the distractions of this life get in the way, prevent us from seeing God, from knowing God is always, God calls us back. If there was one message our Israelite forebears in the faith wanted to convey to us about their experience of God, it was this. 
They repeated this story over and over again. God is and is ever calling us back. At the end of Lent, yes, we walk with Jesus through his death and resurrection. And on the way, at the great vigil of Easter, the last thing we hear before we celebrate Jesus' resurrection, we linger in this story of God calling us back. In our vigil readings, we hear of the creation of humans in Genesis, each of us endowed with dignity made in God's image. We hear of the promise to Noah that God will care for God's people always, of the covenant with Abraham to bring about descendants beyond number, of the deliverance of the Israelites at the Red Sea, of God's guiding the chosen people into their promised land. Individual readings, we are reminded of the promise of renewal made through the prophet Ezekiel. Through Ezekiel, God says, A new heart I will give you, and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove from your body the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and make you follow my statutes and be careful to observe my ordinances. And you shall be my people, and I will be your God. This is the story that was passed down to us. God is always, and God always calls us back. So how do we relate this to our Lenten intentions? As I sat with today's psalm, an image, perhaps instructive, popped into my mind. In verse 9, as we sang this morning, God's voice responds to the narrator saying, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will guide you with my eye. Don't be like a horse or a mule, which have no understanding and who must be fitted with a bit and a bridle to understand the path that is best for them. So this passage, for me, brought to mind my dog, Juno. For nine years, Juno has been my constant companion, and if I do say so myself, she is an excellent dog. When we go for walks in the woods, she runs circles around me, covering at least four times as much distance as I do, even though we walk on the same path. But even in her movement, Juno has a built-in sense of connection with me. She never goes more than 20 or 30 feet ahead on the path, without stopping, turning, and seeing that I signal for her that it's okay to go ahead. She is in sync with me, attuned to my presence, unless, of course, we come across a bunny or a squirrel, and then all bets are off. But unlike the horse and the mule our psalmist sings about, which have no understanding and must be fitted with bit and bridle, Juno is alert to my presence and can be guided by my eye. In this way, to me, Juno illustrates the promise of Lent. This year, Lent feels less like deprivation or a constraint against which I chafe, and more like an invitation. An invitation to move toward freedom in God, an invitation to remove my own version of squirrels and bunnies, the things that distract me from seeing God, An invitation to be drawn into love. 
A mentor of mine often reminds me of the words of Archbishop Desmond Tutu, who's fond of saying, there is nothing we can do to make God love us anymore. And there is nothing we can do to make God love us any less. All we can do this season is ask for the grace to remove our own distractions and move toward the freedom that God offers each of us. And the rest, the rest will follow. Whatever your Lenten intention or practice, in these 40 days, as with Jesus, when he was tempted in the wilderness, may the angels come and attend to us. May we become more and more aware that God is always inviting us deeper into the heart of love. Amen.